Welcome to Ask the Pastors, a segment of the West Hills podcast where you have the opportunity to ask your questions and receive biblically grounded, pastorally sensitive answers from our pastoral staff. My name is Brian. I'm your host and pastor of worship. And this week's episode will be a snippet cut from our recent Ask the Pastors live event that was held in our church building on Sunday evening, January 22nd. The event was live recorded, and we will be releasing segments of the event over the coming weeks. And this portion of the evening, which will be our podcast for today, we were answering two questions. Number one, should the church engage with culture wars? And if so, how? And number two, should Christians use preferred pronouns for transgender people? This one is submitted uh, anonymously. Uh, This person says, uh, For some time now, some prominent Christian leaders have been saying that we as individuals and also collectively as church bodies or denominations should get out of the culture wars and just focus on the gospel. I think what they mean is to focus on getting people saved as the main thing, and then people will change their minds on many of the hot-button social issues that confront us if they are discipled. This seems to me like an anemic view of what the gospel entails. This person asks, what is your view? What should the church do in culture wars? Should we be present in those conversations? Uh, my, my simple answer to that is yes, I think we, we should be in the culture wars, but there, there's a caveat to that. We remember um, in Ephesians 6, um, 6.12 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm, that we do remember that our ultimate battle is not against flesh and blood, and, and we are... I'm, I'm sympathetic towards those who say we, we should focus on on the gospel and the gospel saving people and, <clears throat> and and changing people. And that's true. And I wholeheartedly believe that, that as people come to know and believe and understand the gospel, that there's going to be a change in their heart and a change in how they act and a change in how they respond. That will most likely be a slow process of change over time. But in the meantime, we as believers, I think, have a responsibility that that there's a reason that we're not saved and swept up out of the world and that we have a responsibility to be the best teachers and doctors and presidents of homeowners associations and even those in government that with these culture wars and, and and everything that is going on, it can be, we can be focused on that heavenly mindset, which is true and good that we forget where we live and we should desire to see the culture where God has sovereignly placed us at this specific time and this specific moment and engage where we are at in a way that pushes back against even that idea we just talked about, against false truths who promote truth and promote goodness and promote righteousness. And although those in the culture may not understand what it is that we're pushing and emphasizing or why would you even care about such an issue, well, we do because 
God has left us here and we are to be good stewards of the time that we have, of the occupations that we have, of the relationships that we have, that, that we should think that the gospel is going to have an effect, not just on people who are freshly believing, but also effect on our own hearts. And we should see the culture and how it is raging against biblical truth and it should break our hearts. And we should say, how can we step in and speak truth in a culture that says, your truth is your truth? Yeah, that's all good. Um, I mean, I, I think probably most everybody knows where I stand on this. Um, certainly, if you were there for the sermon this morning, um, you do. Um, that I, I don't, I personally don't uh, try and shy away from um, those hot buttons. Uh, culture defining type of, of topics uh, like like abortion um, but uh, you know as I think as I think about this this question um, I guess one of the things that stands out to me is there's kind of maybe various um, points on a spectrum maybe you could think about uh, where where somebody might land on this whole kind of issue of how does a Christian engage with culture, um, what bearing does the gospel have on how we live out faith in the culture? And so, one at one extreme would was not even Christian uh, would be like you know keep your faith private. The gospel, you know, it's it's you know everybody has their own beliefs. Whatever doesn't come to bear on interpersonal cultural type things at all. Um, but short of that would be you know I'm. I'm not here to be some sort of a cultural crusader, um, but I do have individual relationships with people, so I'm not I'm not gonna you know sound off on on Facebook about transgender pronouns or whatever. But you know, um, uh, when it comes to relating to my transgender coworker, you know, I'm gonna engage uh, in a faithful way um, with gospel truth. Um, an- another would. I guess be to take that a, a step farther um, and to see and to understand uh, the the gospel is compelling us to um, to speak truth to culture in a, a little bit bigger maybe way than that again like like I was trying to do this morning with the the cultural issue of, of abortion um, which in, in so many of these things that we're talking about I think the question itself, the, the anemic view of the gospel, is that the question is the questioner is rec- rightly recognizing. I think that uh, the the gospel, even thinking about um, the Exodus subtitle that we're, that we're freed to follow, um, and thinking about the the end of Ephesians two, uh, that pass that famous passage we all love, grace we're saved, it's by grace we've been saved through faith, um, not by works. But then, of course, Paul finishes in verse ten by saying, you know. For we are God's workmanship, created um, for good works, and so um, you know I, I think that, and, and I had the diagrams recently and in, in sermons about obviously you know if, if works are totally out of the equation, that the gospel is saved by grace for works, that works is the fruit of that. Um, Jesus calls us to action in this world. He calls us to engage in real practical tangible ways in the world all that to say i i i just unapologetically think <laughs> biblically we are we are called as believers um to to engage in the culture now 
I, I guess to, to go all the way to the other end of the extreme, I see um, certain pockets of especially the evangelical Christian world and, and, and movement and, and certain camps of that that have basically made their whole their whole ministry, their whole living, their, their whole MO is <laughs> trying to make uh, America into a nation that frankly, I mean, for, for all my historical reading on the fact uh, of what the country looked like 250 years ago, I'm, I'm just not sure we ever looked like what they're trying to make us into again. Um, <laughs> mostly deist uh, founding fathers. But I think, you know, th those folks who, I, I, I think that um, on the one hand, as Christians, we uh, do need to recognize that, there, that God really does use even cultural Christianity, even just sort of nominal Christen, Christendom, um, to, uh, as, a, as a preservative agent. You know, if we're called to be salt and light, if we're called to be uh, pushing back darkness with the light, to be preserving the world from decay, the stem, the rot, the cancer of sin, salt as a preservative agent, I think, you know, God does use even just cultural Christianity. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's no arguing that 50 years ago, um, the, the, the just, you, you poll 10 people on a, a, any sort of, sort of values type of, of question, what do you think about gay marriage, what do you think about abortion, whatever, um, we are we are, our, our society, our culture is decaying and, and at the same time, again, even nominal Christian identity, self-identification and church attendance are on the decline. And I think those two things are not, uh, they, they are related. There is a correlation there um, that, that there really is, you know, a peer pressure. <laughs> like all, all the cool kids are Christians. Like everybody, this is what we do. You know, you go to church on Sundays. Like that, that God can even use that to help prevent a culture from falling into, you know, what our culture is falling into. Um, but at the same time, for me, you know, I guess for, for me as a pastor, sometimes I, I look at some of those ministries and some of those folks who have clearly you know, uh, made their, their uh, living off of um, just getting Christians angry about the latest Disney film and the lesbians that kissed in it or whatever and, you know, write your senator today or America's going to go to hell or, you know, and it's just I get in. And I, I subscribe to those newsletters from those AFA and, and ministries like that just because I, and I subscribe to ultra-liberal because I, I like to see the whole spectrum. But I, I'm 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 not there. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna. To me, I I personally I would feel like if I gave my life to to trying to make all of America Christian again, I I would be an utter failure because um, I, I I believe Christian makes a, a great noun but a terrible adjective, and uh, I I don't think America ever was a, a Christian nation, nor will it ever be. I think that Christians are are people. And uh, you're not going to get 340 million of them to all be Christians. We should try. But I don't think you do it by getting them to, to vote against Disney. So um, that's a roundabout way of saying I think the gospel has absolutely has implications for how we engage with culture. And, but how, how we do that, I think, is certainly a matter of conscience. I mean, I, I don't cast judgment on brothers and sisters that are fighting and 
and lobbying and, and, and doing that, the culture war type work. I mean, that's, that's their calling, and uh, I, I pray that God is, is working through that. Um, um, but I, I also try not to cast judgment at, at those who are much quieter about that. You know, hey, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm just a small fish in a big pond. What, what difference can I really make in a, something as massive as American culture? So I'm, I'm going to engage with it when I, when I can in good conscience. I'm going to push back on more of a personal individual level. And, um, you know, for me, I, I think it's all about stewarding the platform God's given us. I mean, I, I don't deserve to, to be up on this platform. I feel that way every Sunday stepping into the pulpit, um, humbled by it. And, uh, but I, I also, I, I feel like there's a stewardship there. There's a, there's a calling to, you know, if, if I don't take that opportunity to speak up on Sanctity of Life Sunday and say these important things that need to be said um, and engage the culture in real life and death ways, uh, and, and if we can't as Christians see why something like abortion has, has roots in the gospel and the God of life and his covenant of life, then, then uh, we're it is an anemic version of the gospel. So, yeah, it's probably enough. Uh, I, I've got one, one last, one last um, more of an encouragement than anything else that it may, it may feel at times uh, like culture wars or, or whatever you want to define is, is a losing war. Like we're losing the battle in, in that. And I think that's an appropriate tension to feel at times, but I'm reminded of um, in First Peter where he references the Christians as sojourners and strangers, or other translations put it as aliens, that it is a reminder that this world is not our home. And if we feel really comfortable in it, that might be uh, because we're not letting the gospel affect our lives. And, and we, we should feel this tension like, I'm here, I don't quite fit in because I have been changed by Jesus. And, and at times our, our hope is not in this world. And, and we know that in the end that Jesus will reign supremely, is reigning supremely. And so even though it feels like an uphill battle or uh, like a pointless war of fighting against, uh, we can take comfort in knowing that that we're meant to feel like strangers and that we know in the end the battle is won. It's a good last word. Thanks, Dad. One from uh, Jessica Myers. She asked, uh, should Christians use preferred pronouns for transgender people? Um, does anybody want to start with that one? Great question. I could start this time. Um, <clears throat> I think um, the best the best answers to that that I've heard from other pastors that resonated with me would be to, to counsel folks whenever possible um, to avoid pronouns. Uh, again, a little bit of it goes to the, what we were talking about this morning with the lesser of two evils. You know, um, we don't want to we don't want to just unnecessarily, arbitrarily offend people and give them a reason over something like uh, an issue like this to, to not be able to be in a relationship with us or to not be able to hear the gospel from us. And um, so I think whenever you can uh, seek to live at peace with all people, then, then we try and do that, like um, Romans 14 tells us to. But 
Um, I think, uh, I think that practically speaking, uh, what what I would counsel someone to do in that situation would be to um, just use the person's name whenever they can. Um, you know, names I think are more subjective. Uh, so even if 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 this person is at the point, I guess in their um, journey of, of transitioning or whatever um, you want to call that, that they are uh, have adopted for themselves a, a new name. That one to me is, um, you know, a name is something that your parents give you uh, as opposed to your gender and pronouns that come with it being something that God gives you. Um, and I think that, you know, names are, again, even they're a little bit more subjective uh, as far as gendering of names goes. I mean, I don't love the idea of, you know, calling Barbara Bob now um, because, I again, I, I know that that's fueling and, and kind of maybe furthering her own subjective identity as a, as a, as a man and feeling like a man. Um, but uh, I think there, there is a little bit more, at least subjective wiggle room there where, you know, a lot of names can, can go either way. And there's not anything specifically tying, uh, a name to a gender in the same way that a, a pronoun in the English language clearly does. And so I think, you know, despite what I said this morning about, um, I hope it didn't make it sound like I don't treat lying, um, as a big deal because obviously we know God treats lying like a big deal, big enough for it to make his top 10. Um, not as high on the list as murder, but, uh, you know, to go to my point from this morning, but I think lying is a big deal. And so we don't want to tell lies with our words. And I think when you, um, when you, when you, uh, misgender someone, um, like actually their genetic gender, um, and you, you facilitate and you further a, a lie and that perception, not only are you withholding the truth and bearing false witness and all those things, uh, Proverbs tells us lying is an abomination, God hates it. Um, but I think maybe just as significant too, um, I think you're, you really run the risk of doing damage to, to that person more, even more psychological damage. Um, just, I don't know. I, I, really resonated with is a um, little short film you can get uh, look up on YouTube um, that I've, I think I've referenced in maybe in, in sermons when talking about this issue or, or maybe in an ask the pa pastor before but um, I can't remember who did it anyway I'm not giving good context but the long and short is um, you know this this uh, Christian, conservative Christian, went to liberal college campus and just had a microphone like this and asked a bunch of students, you know, hey, um, uh, do you think that uh, if, if I, um, I think he started with, do you think if someone um, who was born uh, X, Y, um, individual identified as a female, XX, that, that they should be able to be called that? All the students he interviewed said yes, yes, yes. And then he went a little farther, you know, do, do you think if I, the interviewer, um, identified as a woman, should you be expected to call me she and whatever? They said yes. And he said, what if I identified as a, as a black woman? 
or a Chinese woman, he's a white guy like me, um, what if I identified as a, he kind of pushes it farther, what if I identified as a, as a rooster, you know, should I, should I expect you to, and he just kind of pushes it and kind of shows not only the, the, how illogical I think it is, a lot of where we've, our society is going with some of this stuff, but, but also just how, again, dangerous and, and damaging that, um, you know, if, if God creates us the way that he uh, intended for us to be and God doesn't make mistakes and, um, you know, that it's, it's, again, it's, it really is a theological issue even um, when, when, you, when you don't tell the truth and when you allow someone to continue to per- perpetuate that self-denial and, and, and lie about who they really are and who God has made them to be. And, um, and I, I think, you, again, you, you run the risk of, um, of uh, yeah, doing psychological harm to someone in that sense. So that's, that would be my, my advice when, it, when possible. I know that can probably get clumsy to you know, totally avoid pronouns and just use the person's name all the time. Um, I think it, uh, it also, you, you, more and more, I think, in, in the secular world today, probably you all know better than we do. We don't have to deal with this here, thank God, um, the church, workplace. But, you know, in the workplace, and um, that you, you really do run a risk, going back to kind of what we talked about this morning, of doing the right thing and fearing God more than people. I mean, you run a risk of more and more businesses and companies and uh, are going to be passing laws about... Um, you know, how you, you have to call somebody by their preferred pronouns and, um, you know, the freedom of speech is going to be thrown out the window and, uh, and so it's going to be forced speech and, and you say, you call people what they want and what we, we want you to. And so I think, I think you know, you, you do run a risk even with giving this kind of advice, I think, as a pastor or taking it for you. But I, I think that's, that's where I would land on that. Yeah, that, that's a similar um, position that I've landed on. And I can tell you as well that when avoiding um, pronouns and only using first names, uh, as Pastor Will said, like, it is awkward, but it's, I think I would rather feel awkward saying that than even more so than using a gendered pronoun that is not their correct gendered pronoun and feeding into into that lie and uh, it is going to get harder and, and harder and harder but I think as well we desire to be people of truth and speak the truth and at the same time to do that in love and to care for other people and if having an an awkward conversation by saying their name multiple times throughout it, as weird as it might be, is a way for you to keep the relationship. I think that is far more important um, as we desire for them to see the lies that they're being fed and believing and want them to know the truth and the truth of Christ. And we have a responsibility to, to speak truth and to do that in a way that cares well for others. And I have friends who fall on the other side of, of they say the same thing. They say, 
I would much rather use their preferred pronouns and build up that relationship in that way so that hopefully I have the opportunity to share the gospel because I'm telling them, like, I'm accepting you as who you are, and I'm here for you, and I want to comfort you. And, and my pushback to that, as we've been talking, is, but you are feeding into the lie in some ways. And the psychological damage alone in, in research has shown that those who have gone as far as transitioning the regret and suicidal rates of that, that we want to care for all life, even those who disagree with us on that. And it, it's it's going to feel like a very sensitive topic with, with when someone's sitting across the table from you having lunch. and. And our prayers are with you as you as you navigate that. But but it's it's hard and difficult. But Jesus doesn't call us to the easy. He calls us to to do the hard thing and to speak truth. That was the last thing I wanted to say about it too. Is that it, it, this? You know, like so many of these questions are all kind of personal at, at their heart. Um, it's not just some kind of theological abstraction or something. Obviously, um, that these are you know these are real people that we are called to really love and, and care about. And so, you know, on an emotional level, um, I would say that that would be my, I guess my last word of counsel would be, you know, not to approach this as, um, I know it can be easy for us as Christians to you know, get frustrated um, with the way the culture is going, to get, you know, angry or righteous in, indignation or whatever, and that's all well and good, fine, uh, until until you are sitting down with that person across the table and this is a real person. And, and in that moment for me, it, it, you know, our, our right response, the, the biblical, you know, the, the Jesus response would be to have compassion. Um, and and needs of mine, like, like Jesus did when he looked at sheep without a shepherd, people who were lost and broken and hurting. And, um, and, and I mean, I, I can't imagine, I, I, I personally, I can't imagine being so lost that I don't even know what gender I am. Um, and so the compassion that we should have as believers for someone who's that lost should be the, the thing that, that drives our response more than any kind of you know, anger or defense of the truth or something like that. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastors. Remember that you can submit your questions by visiting the info bar at West Hills or by asking them online through our website at www.westhillsstl.org. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, hit that like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Thanks so much for listening.